0: Welcome to What the Fuck is Up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. The Coco is trending news and pop culture stories from around the region. Today is August 18, 2022. From Manila, I'm Sam Beltran. And from Kuala Lumpur, I'm Amina Farid. Hey, Amina! Hi! Hi, Sam! Oh my gosh! You yes. are in the podcast chair. You're not Andra! Yeah, I'm
1: feeling up for him. So, you know, yep. Andra, we're having so much fun without
0: you. For the benefit of our readers, Andre is out for Independence Day in, in Indonesia. And I believe he is partaking in a few Independence Day activities, namely pillow fighting in his swimming trucks. Yeah what <laughs> oh my god what an image right no but I I think he he was talking to me about it and then he was telling me about like how they're basically by the pool and then he basically has to play play pillow fighting with another adult and of course the goal is to knock one over into the pool Interesting. but you know I know, but enough about Andra's crazy infancy antics. Let's talk about you. So you're new to this podcast. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi,
1: everyone to the ones listening. I am Amina. So I am Malaysian and I love um, horror and serial killer documentaries.
0: Yes. Ooh, that is interesting. So yep. what horror and serial killer documentaries have you been up to lately? Uh, I just
1: recently got done with one. It's called My Daughter's Killer. It's basically about a French documentary of a dad hunting the daughters, his daughter's
0: killer. So that has been really interesting for me. Oh my gosh, that is, and that's real, like, this is not oh. some Liam Neeson.
2: I will look for you.
1: I will find you. And I will kill you. He found the guy, he didn't kill him, but he kidnapped him to get into French territory where he would be um, convicted.
0: Oh, So that is,
1: that is some, like, movie shit right there, yes.
0: I know, that's, like, yeah. a real... Thing. oh by the way um i'm not sure if you know but andre doesn't believe in ghosts so what's your take on that, that you know take? what i just think he's a ghost himself
1: <laughs> i mean i don't know if ghosts really exist i just know that personally maybe i've seen one so i'll stick to believing ghosts
0: i guess i love that he's like a ghost in denial so here's that <laughs> andre you're a f- paranormal freak. (laughs) Anyway, we have other stories to talk about on this podcast, namely this region's top stories. From a man painting artwork with his peepee to alien worshippers in Bangkok, Coconuts TV brings you wacky and impactful documentaries from across the region. Don't miss out! Head down to our Coconuts TV YouTube channel to subscribe and enjoy. So when Singapore, some anti-LGBT summit organizers basically released a manifesto that was filled with culture war cliches. So here to talk to us more about that is Coconut Singapore's Carolyn Teo. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome Hello. back to
2: the podcast. I'm back. I'm back. So I'm back.
0: What can you tell us about, you know, this whole manifesto anti-LGBT summit thing? So, yeah, take it away.
2: So basically, in July, there was this private town hall meeting where um, 1,200 people, mostly middle-aged Singaporeans, they gathered to discuss about how they were against repealing Section 377A, uh, which is Singapore's gay sex law that criminalises sex between men. So this... Private meeting is organized by two men, and one of them is the former chairman of a Christian group who is very vocal about his views against LGBT issues. So, they basically argued that retaining Section 377A was necessary to protect families, marriages, children, and the freedom of the country. So, they also said that the children should be protected from LGBT beliefs and they shouldn't be discriminated against for not accepting them. Uh, and they also said like uh, they felt that LGBT groups were pushing too hard for like many changes to like laws and everything. Like uh, approving same-sex marriages and like allowing same-sex couples to obtain housing. In the latest development, the organizers said that they have compiled all these feedback that they received from this private meeting uh, into an 82-page report. <sighs> We have sent it to the government and the members of parliament. So yeah, so they're really serious about this. They would just want their voices to be heard, as same as what the LGBT communities are doing.
0: But like, yep. so can you take us back a bit and just um tell us, so how far along is the Singapore government in terms of repealing Section three seven seven a?
2: So right now, um, they have stated that they would no longer prosecute anyone under this law but at the same time they have also refused to repeal it i spoke to one of the lawyers who was involved in uh, trying to repeal this law so he said that um basically the court finds that since no one is getting prosecuted under this law they they don't find it a problem that's why they they dismiss the appeals that's why it's not getting repealed but um to him he said that having this law provides a green light to discriminate against the lgbt community and is basically saying that discriminating them is still acceptable in the in the law books yeah so they both have their own sides to this
1: so it's kind of like a loophole there
2: yeah mm,
1: interesting
0: so what w- what do the lgbt groups say in singapore about this like are they worried about this manifesto does it seem like this is going like, to significantly hinder any progress. What are their thoughts on it?
2: I don't think so because I reached out to Pink Dot. I reached out to Uga Chaga. There, were, uh, there are two of the biggest uh, communities in Singapore and uh, they said that they didn't want to comment on this. So I guess it wasn't that big of an issue for them to do so. But previously, Pink Dot responded to the event. I mean, it blew up like on online like, that there-, there was a private meeting, three-hour meeting like somewhere. Pink Dot said that it's of course not right for this group to like talk about this like that, and uh, there were even like some police reports made against the organizers of this event. But um, the police said that they didn't break any laws, and the police said that they didn't find any issues with it. And everyone is entitled to their own views.
0: (laughs) Are you serious? Just in a nutshell, what what can we expect from this manifesto?
2: Basically, the the manifesto listed book ideas that they were trying to dismiss. It's criticism of like books that they really object to. It's just long-winded stuff. And then they keep saying that the law should only be repealed until they provide safeguards. But they don't exactly say what these safeguards should be. So yeah, it's kind of confusing as well.
0: I know. Yeah, that is crazy. And um, I'm not sure who would be interested in reading all 82 pages of that, but if you were interested in checking it out and just seeing what it looks like and what it contains, then you can head on over to Coconut Singapore and read Carolyn's article on it where it also has a copy of the manifesto. So yeah, hopefully this doesn't really have any huge implications on the repeal of section 377a and you know our lgbt brothers and sisters can just stay chill
2: about Mm -hmm. it yeah hopefully
0: well thank you so much carolyn for coming on board and yeah we'll see you next time hopefully with with another crazy story from the little red dot <laughs> <There's>
2: always <laughs> crazy stories but yes thank you thanks for having me
0: i know yeah all right bye See you bye-bye bye. so that was singapore and now
1: we're coming to kl where najib abdul Razak, the former prime minister of malaysia and convicted felon just recently began his appeal at the federal court so this would be Najib's last chance to overturn his conviction after a high court judge found him guilty in 2020 for stealing 42 million ringgit from SRC International a former subsidiary company of 1MDB. This decision was upheld by the appeal court last year when he when Najib tried to appeal there. Right now, if Najib loses this appeal, he will be facing a 12-year jail term and a 200 million ringgit fine. Although I honestly think that's a bit too little, and I think we can mm. afford to find him more and a longer jail term, considering what he has done to the image of Malaysia. Um, for now, things don't seem to be going well for Najib as the federal court has rejected his request to introduce new evidence into his case and also to postpone his appeal for a few months. For the first part of the request, which is to introduce new evidence into the appeal, it actually involves uh, the High Court judge who convicted him, uh, Muhammad Nazlan. Uh, Basically, Najib is accusing him for having a conflict of interest because of his prior employment at as a general counsel at Maybank so Maybank was also the Mm -hmm. bank that handled a lot of funds from 1MDB and SRC so basically Najib is saying that he Nazlan knew of all these transactions and what were going on so technically whatever he convicted me of it should not be considered right but anyway I guess the judges are not with him on that the second request, which is the postponement of his uh, last appeal that is at the federal court right now, is because Najib just recently fired his legal team that represented him in the first two trials, which Ooh. is at the high court, and the appeals court. Yes. And now, since he has a new counsel from a different legal form, he is arguing that this new legal team would need more time to get comfortable with the case. But... I think the chief justice probably just saw all his like. He he just has this this air about him of being like a spoiled brat. I guess he just he, he expects people to just tolerate his whims and fancies. So the chief justice, uh, Tengku Maimun, in return, she was just not having it. So she just sort of said something like. It's not the federal court's problem that you decided to fire your legal team so close to the appeal date. So you deal with that. So, yeah, right now, things aren't looking too good for our former prime minister. The plot thickens. I know, I know. And right now, and what's funny is that yesterday, right after the the federal court uh, rejected uh, both of his requests, the whole Sungai Bulo jail thing started started trending on Twitter. So Sungai Bulo jail is possibly the jail that he'll be going to if he gets, if he does uh, get jail time and is convicted. So people were really excited. I guess you could see that majority of them just want to see this man go to jail. Like even if you're not into politics, you just understand that this man really did a
0: whole lot of shit to the country. Right. But like, how has the crackdown been like by the Malaysian government on corrupt officials is Najib. Would you say that he's like the first, I mean, like obviously he was former prime minister. This is like a really huge case, but like have they been really um, diligent in cracking down on these officials? Or would you say that this is like more or less one of the first few times that they've been, Heavy handed on a public official?
1: Okay, I can only speak based on what I know. So, what I know is that sure. when Pakatan Harapan uh, won the election in 2018, they managed to point out several corruption cases against like Najib, uh, Abno leader Zahid, and several others, uh, more like small time players, but still a lot of corruption. So, because these cases have been brought to trial and is now dealt By the courts, it's very difficult for it to just be thrown out because now it's on the judiciary to decide whether you're guilty Mm. or not. So, but other than that, there hasn't really been, I think, I feel without offending anyone, I feel Mm -hmm. like when a case gets a lot of attention, especially on social media or like politicians are talking about it, that's only when you really see action. Right.
2: You know, so I really
1: don't know how many. How, how many corruption are actually going on and and we're not doing anything about it unless right. it gets attention so yeah
0: but yeah but hopefully this is like the first among like many 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 other you know just forms of justice oh, yeah, being definitely. served yeah for i mean sure. i think
1: I think a lot of us right now currently have a lot, Malaysians especially, have a lot of hope in our chief justice to to
0: really oh, make things
1: right. So that that's good. You know, that's that's like a light of hope, light at the end and tunnel is what we would call it.
0: Okay, well, yeah. Some spicy political news from KL and, you know, we're counting on you, Amina, to keep us tabs on that in the upcoming developments and whether he actually gets to go to jail or sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so on over to more crime news, this time in Bali, where a hotel room in Kuta, which was thought to be an online gambling headquarters, was deserted ahead of a police raid. So police had come up empty when they had raided a hotel room that was suspected to be an operational hub of an online gambling ring on Saturday. So the raid took place at 8 p.m. at a hotel on Kartika Plaza Road and the police chief, Denpasar, who led the raid, said that the perpetrators had fled by the time they arrived at the scene and officers instead found abandoned devices in the room, which included four computers, seven Wi-Fi routers, and four smartphones, along with SIM cards. And yeah, so basically they presumed that the plans of the raid had leaked and gave the perpetrators time to escape the hotel. Yeah, so the, the police chief said that from the evidence they gathered, The hotel room was indeed used as an online gambling site and that the perpetrator had booked the room for quite some time, which raised suspicions. So they are now questioning hotel management and staff as they seek more leads to capture the gambling ring. And the devices found in the deserted room have since been confiscated as evidence. So, yeah, apparently, you know, Indonesia, they're really, really, really strict when it comes to certain things, you know. Mm. porn gambling included Mm -hmm. so they're really laying it heavy on them and uh just in june they arrested an australian national and his two indonesian assistants for running a horse race betting event at a seminyak pub wait but like
1: how like do we know how they got tipped off like hey, the cops are coming leave
0: Uh, there is no information actually on how they had gotten the tip. Um, we don't know whether they were in cahoots with somebody from the hotel who might have leaked them to it or if it's, if they mm. have somebody on the inside but yeah, definitely you know we're seeing that these people are you know they're pros <laughs> like they, yeah. they they definitely have people on the inside and yeah but yeah I mean, I know, but... It's yeah, kind of like a movie, yeah, you, know? you know? Like, that suspense... Like, you build that suspense.
1: Like, all oh, they clear kind of stuff, and then the police comes, and they're gone.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, far be it from, from Bali to really, you know, have these kinds of crazy incidents happen. I mean, like, these things happen, you know, every, every now and then. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, let's stay tuned to see if there's going to be any more updates on that.
1: All right. So... In Hong Kong, let's talk about Hong Kong and let's talk about mask, face mask. So a study by a Hong Kong's consumer watchdog recently revealed that there were six models of Hong Kong-made disposable surgical masks, which has a bacterial level higher than the European safety standard. Bacterial level meaning the measurement of a bacteria found on its surface. So the study tested 30 different models of single-use surgical masks. Um, The Consumer Council said that the hygiene standards for these models were, I Mm -hmm. quote, worrisome, with one of the face mask model having a bacterial count of more than six times over the approved limit.
0: Oh my god.
1: I know. And honestly, like that's quite crazy because, like, considering that the EU standards uh, stipulates that there should be no more than thirty colony-forming units per gram, while a mask by Kestify had over two hundred and nineteen point nine colony-forming units. So Ew. Like the bacterial count.
0: I know. Oh my god! So I'm like, that is crazy. You-
1: Okay, so any, the, another concerning thing the Consumer Council said is that if the hygiene of the face mask itself is unsatisfactory, then it could cause problems on the face. So you could probably be having like acne issues, you know, and this has happened before where people complain, like I would use face masks or certain face
0: masks and it caused an acne breakout. Oh my God, yes. Mask Me is real. Have you, have you ever had Mask Me or... Do you just are you just blessed with naturally good skin? <laughs> um, I'm not, I think
1: I probably would have had that problem because Malaysia is really hot. So, when you're using your face mask, and at the time you were compelled to use it outdoors, so imagine you're sweating, you're with a mask, so it's yeah. not very, you know, the most hygiene thing to do, but we do it. So, I have gotten it, but thankfully, yeah. I have. A, very strict skincare routine. So ain't nice. no acne for me. Anyway, although such masks are considered medical devices, but apparently in Hong Kong, um, there is no specific legislation that regulates the manufacture, import, export, still in use of these medical devices. So we really don't know how the condition, like the type of condition that these face masks
0: were made. Right. And I mean, I'm sure with you know, with with COVID being at an all time high in Hong Kong, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, people are definitely just you know grabbing at the chance to be able to stock up and you know bring all sorts of masks to the city. Yeah, yeah so, because
1: it would make for a lucrative business anyway, and we exactly yeah, and plus we you don't have very strict regulations on it. I mean who cares as long as the money comes in right exactly but oh mm. my god
0: ew! like i can i can I just imagine and i mean i still wear masks like the in the philippines we still religiously wear our masks like whether mm. you're indoors or outdoors so uh i mean like so far i took a look at the list i don't recognize any brand names on there so hopefully we're good but for anybody who's concerned you can go go on over to coconuts hong kong and check out which ones tested for certain bacterial levels like you know case defy is one of them then Mm -hmm. you know you could check out the other five models so from gross face masks to lawyering up and chocolate bars in jakarta this is quite the story so a woman who was allegedly caught stealing a chocolate bars at a convenience store got a lawyer after a video of her being um, basically apprehended by the employee was uploaded to social media and public opinion is heavily skewed against her because of it. So what happened was this woman threatened legal action against this convenience store employee who uploaded a video of their confrontation of the encounter of the employee coming after a lady who was, interestingly, in a Mercedes-Benz after the latter had just left the store and was basically, she was being accused by the employee of uh, of stealing chocolate bars, the store chain, Alphamart. It was located in Tangerang Regency. So, yeah, so in the video, which has been widely shared on in Indonesian social media, the woman who was being accused gets out of her car after being castigated by the employee returns to the store, and pays for the candy. But soon after the clip went viral, the Alphamart employee was shown sandwiched between the alleged candy thief and a lawyer, and reading off of a phone, the employee delivers an apology and says, There was a misunderstanding that has caused harm to the customer, and I apologize for the video which was circulated online. Damn, that's crazy! And the lawyer of the customer said that the matter has been settled with the apology, although he stressed that the videos that circulated had caused immense harm to the customer. And the lawyer also apologized to Alphamart for the misunderstanding. And the thing about Indonesia is that they have the Information and Electronic Transactions Act, which heavily criminalizes online defamation. But the thing about this law is that it has been used incessantly by those in power or greater social standing to silence any form of criticism, legitimate or otherwise. So yeah, basically people got pissed at the customer for using the law, basically a quote unquote abusing it to threaten the Alpha Mart employee into apologizing. Although some of them had also regretted the fact that the employee had, you know, basically set herself up, you know, to be sued by uploading the video, even if the woman eventually paid for the chocolate bars, as was seen in in, in the video. So, yeah, so AlphaMark wrote in a tweet that it regrets the customer and her lawyer pressuring the employee to apologize and noted that an internal investigation found that the woman may have tried to steal more than the chocolate bars and Alpha Mart said that it may consider taking legal steps against the woman if necessary. So this is really, this is quite interesting because, I mean, like, we don't know much about the woman. But the fact that she was coming out of a Mercedes-Benz, it kind of shows that she is of a higher social standing. Which yeah. kind of makes one wonder mm-hmm. why you would be stealing Charles cars from but, a convenience store. Um, Personally, I would have sympathized if it was someone
1: coming from like a lower income class, and you know, maybe she didn't, she or he didn't have
0: any money. But girl, you're coming out of a Mercedes. (laughs) I know, and it's just like, you know how you know the saying, pick on somebody your own size, right? I mean, like you're you're coming from like a higher social standing. I mean, like yeah, it, it sucks that this video had circulated, but it does seem a little bit extreme
1: Mm. to to go through the lengths
0: that she did yeah Yeah. you know try to it's like I'm not
1: sure if she was trying to test how powerful she can be like if she was caught seeing it
0: or if it was some sort of like a like a challenge that she thought it was a good idea you know yeah I know I know so like yeah it really boggles the mind Mm. but Yeah, so anyway, this renowned lawyer named Hotman Paris has offered his legal services pro bono to the Alphamart employee and said that she has nothing to fear. So that is interesting, you know, interesting how social media stories like that play out. And yeah, Mm -hmm. we'll see how that goes. Okay, so over in
1: Thailand, or at least specifically in Bangkok, we've got some crazy shit going down. I mean, to be honest, sometimes I really don't know where people... Find the courage to do really stupid things just to gain more followers. It's like I don't even know if they're getting paid for this shit. So anyway, the stupidity Watch I'm referring- Yes. So the stupidity I'm referring to is a trend. It's apparently a trend on Thailand's TikTok where there are videos of people popping rohipno, a pill that's famously used to spike someone's drink to take advantage of them. I think it's oh, probably most likely, mostly used in clubs, I guess. Um, so there's a hashtag going around. It's called Blue Town Teens, which shows young people with glazed eyes showing off their blue stained tongues to the camera. They're practically posing for the camera while being high. And they're doing this like for fun.
2: And oh some of these, yes,
1: I know, crazy. Some of these clips have had more than 3.5 million views. And what's also very concerning is the fact that there are a number of users who are also promoting the sale of
0: the pill. Oh my
1: God. I'm, it's quite difficult to wrap my head around this, this trend right now. Um, for those who don't know, rohitnol is a drug that can cause drowsiness and diminished memory function. The drug is classified as a Class Two psychotropic substance under the Psychotropic Substances Act, and in Thailand, if you sell it illegally, it can get you like twenty years of jail time and a fine up to more than fifty-six thousand US dollars. Meanwhile, those who use it illegally can be jailed up to three years and can receive a fine of more than a thousand US dollars. So I'm not sure, but I guess we'll see if your followers can get you out of jail for that.
0: Exactly. Like, yeah, right. I
1: know. It's like I'm not sure if you remember, but a couple of months back there was a story about kids were jumping in front of cars. Yes, yes. Oh views. my god, like I'm like, and they were there were some fatalities in some of those cases and it was a trend that kids were doing it, and I'm like what, what is up with all these weird and dangerous trends involving young people, especially?
0: I know. Anything for them views, right? That's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, like, I can't wrap my head around the fact that you would want to roofie yourself. Like, that is not a pleasant experience being done to somebody. I mean, you know, like, yeah, when it's done against true. your will. I can't imagine, you know, the pleasure you would get out of being roofied out of your own accord. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really
1: shit So kids Don't do drugs Don't give other people drugs Exactly Exactly
0: Well said (laughs) Okay So From crazy news in Bangkok We go on over to My side of the pond Where we're talking about Jollibee And I'm not sure Amina If you know But This podcast We love to talk about Jollibee Jollibee are our, our very own fast food chain. So its Chicken Joy was named the best fast food fried chicken in the United States. Dial, I know. Oh. Congratulations. Congratulations! Okay, Thank I have to try Jollibee now. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I know that there's one. In Kota Kinabalu, which is far from where you are, but I wouldn't be so sure if I know that. But they opened one late last year in West Malaysia in a mall called Sunway Pyramid. So I'm not sure how oh near or far. far yeah. it, it's
1: near me. It's near, It's literally five minutes away from where I live. Okay, oh my it. god! I'm going to try okay,
0: <laughs> You gotta try it. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so excited. You have to let me know how it is. So, yes. but yeah. Definitely get the chicken joy because it has just been named as the best fast food fried chicken by US based food publication eater so there's definitely no stopping Jollibee in its quest for world domination so I'm not sure if you followed um Coconuts Manila but every now and then we report on Jollibee stores opening up in various parts of the world so yeah they're definitely out to be one of the top food chains and this win is likely going to place it in its favor because it just won an eater's tournament style showdown which pitted 16 fried chicken brands against each other These included homegrown U.S. giants. I'm sure we're very much aware of, like, you know, the big ones like KFC, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, Mm. and as well as other international imports like Bonchon, which was represented by their most famous products in boned, unboned, sauced, and sandwiched categories. So it wasn't just, you know, all drumsticks and, you know, chicken wings, right? So you had, like, sauced wings, you had, Chicken Nuggets, which is why McDonald's is on the list. You have like chicken burgers. So yeah, so four fast food brands were chosen in each category. And joining Jollibee under the Bone category were Popeyes, KFC, and Churches and other brands included McDonald's, White Castle, Burger King, Shake Shack, Wingstop, Bonchon, Panda Express, and Wendy's, among many other brands. So yeah, so individual Eater editors had judged the winners in each round's one-on-one matchups. And the final round saw Jollibee's Chicken Joy face off against South Korea's Bonchon. And let me just describe it to you, Amina, in a way that Mm. will probably convince you to go to your nearest Jollibee. So she described the subtly seasoned skin as tectonically crunchy as advertised. Oh my god. I know, right? But the real surprise here was the chicken itself. Satisfyingly light, flavorful, and it tastes like chicken sort of way and supremely moist. So, yeah. I'm Some sold. Kino chicken. one. So, yeah. I mean, like, you know, jollibee—it's such a huge thing here in the Philippines. I mean, like, Mm-hmm. To be honest, like they're like the top two fast food chains would probably be Jollibee versus McDonald's. Like that's how big it is. And yeah, it is it is pretty cool that they are getting that kind of recognition. And now I really, 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 really want a Jollibee chicken joy.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's pretty nice to see like uh a- Like a brand, like a a fast food chain from a Southeast Asian country. I know. Exactly. exactly. Like, it may not be
0: like, I may not be Filipino, but you know what? I'm damn proud of this. Exactly. Because the win of Jollibee is a win for everybody. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we ended with Jollibee's Chicken Joy. And if there's a Jollibee Chicken Joy near you, hopefully that inspires you to try it out. If not, then maybe you'll get to try it in the future. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And we'll see you next time, next week. Same time, same podcast. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wonder stories, you can become a Cocoa Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, Or buy a fresh merch at the coconut shop at shop.coconuts.co. Advertise with our in-house agency, Grove. Fast. Funny. Digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co slash grove. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. What the fuck is
1: up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong delivers impactful, weird and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon and Bali. Listen to headline news on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong.
0: What the fuck is up in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Sam Beltran and Amina Farid. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez. And our editor is Vivian C.